You're listening to Comedy Central. September 13, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. is a really amazing man. Chef Jose Andres is here, everybody. And he's here... He's here to discuss his new book, We Fed an Island, about his work in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria, which definitely happened. But first, (laughs) let's catch up on today's headlines. Remember how Donald Trump said he wanted to deter illegal immigrants? Well, uh, like most things he does, it isn't really working out. The New York Times reports the detention of migrant children in the U.S. has skyrocketed to the highest levels ever. Almost 13,000 migrant kids are being housed at federally contracted shelters compared to 2,400 in May of last year. God damn, 13,000 kids? Trump has now imprisoned more kids than R. Kelly. (laughs) And I'm sorry, 13,000? This is a ridiculous number. Like, at a certain point, it doesn't seem like you're dealing with immigration. It just looks like you're building a temple of doom. That's what it feels like. And by the way, like, why do they wrap them in foil? It's like they can't tell the difference between a Mexican kid and an actual burrito. What is going on there? (laughs) In other news, if you thought the art in your grandmother's home was dated, wait until you see what scientists have just found. Scientists working in South Africa say they have discovered the world's oldest human drawing. Researchers say the latest sketch, which was done in ochre crayon, looks a bit like a hashtag. You can see the nine highlighted red lines. Scientists say the sketch is about 73,000 years old. Wow. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, man, there's no way I could ever be a scientist because if it was my job to sort rocks and art, that shit would have been in the rocks pile. I mean, don't get me wrong, I didn't have high expectations for the first drawing ever, but I'm still disappointed, because let's be honest, that thing is trash. <laughs> like, I bet even other cavemen were like, dude, I don't even know what a drawing is, but that sucks, that sucks. <laughs> I'm sure that caveman's mom thought it was a masterpiece, though. He probably stuck it to the world's oldest fridge. That's where they found it. <laughs> All right, moving on, uh, vaping. It is now the second most popular pastime for teenagers. But thanks to the FDA, the industry's future might go up in smoke. The FDA said today that vaping by teenagers has reached epidemic levels. Anna Werner now on the government's plans to crack down on e-cigarettes. FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb is stepping up the pressure, telling five companies they have 60 days to submit plans to keep e-cigarettes out of teens' hands or face the possibility of the FDA pulling flavored products, which experts say appeal to teens off the market. Okay. This seems like a simple issue to solve. Teens love vaping because they like the flavors. So if you want to get the kids to stop vaping, just stop with the kid-friendly flavors. Yeah, strawberry, bubble gum, no. You gotta use flavors only old people like. Yeah, stuff like kale or (laughs) whole branzino, cinnamon and lox bagel. Those are the flavors. (laughs) Oh, and, and by the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but I love how the news sends their reporter into a hurricane. But then once he gets there, like, hey, uh, can you do this vape story, please? 
Like sometimes I think hurricane stories are just how you get hazed when you join the news because he's just doing the regular stories with a hurricane backdrop. Like 20 minutes later, it was like gale force winds and he's doing a cooking segment. Lightly grease the pan in the way you wanted to taste. All right, let's move on to our main story. As Hurricane Florence bears down on the East Coast, most people are preparing for the impending disaster. President Trump, on the other hand, is still trying to deal with the disaster he's created for himself. Disgust, outrage, and bewilderment tonight over President Trump's latest tweets denying the death toll in Puerto Rico from Hurricane Maria. This morning, the president, he took to Twitter, tweeting, quote, 3,000 people did not die in the two hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico when I left the island. After the storm had hit, they hit anywhere from six to 18 deaths. As time went by, it did not go up by much. Then, a long time later, they started to report really large numbers, like 3,000. Oh, I, I think I get what Trump was saying. He's saying he would have won the hurricane if you deduct the thousands of people who died illegally. I think that's what he means. <laughs> and I gotta say, man, after all the beef Trump has had, I feel like it was only a matter of time before he started a fight with dead people. This was inevitable. <laughs> it's just like, you guys, this is your fault. And I, like, I know the president has trouble understanding how a few casualties became 3,000. But as with most of his conspiracy theories, there's actually a really simple explanation. When President Trump talks about that small number, that 16 that he quoted, he's really only talking about direct deaths. He's not taking into account the people who didn't have access to hospitals because the roads were closed. The people who didn't have power and needed that breathing machine. The people who couldn't get dialysis because the dialysis center didn't have power to operate and care for these medical patients. That's what the number 3,000 takes into account. Yeah, you see, what the president doesn't seem to understand is that the effects of a hurricane last long after the storm has actually passed, right? And this should be pretty easy to understand. Like, the people on the Titanic who froze in the water still died because of the crash. Right, the iceberg wasn't like, yo, I didn't kill nobody. I, I just scraped some paint off a boat. You can take that other shit up with the ocean, man. <laughs> so Trump's tweets today were wrong in many ways, factually, morally, grammatically, everything, which is why so many people across the political spectrum called him out. It's appalling, it's outrageous. What the president is trying to do is to gaslight the American people. Casualties don't make a person look bad, that's not. Uh, so I have no reason to dispute these numbers. If uh, I was his boss or standing next to him as his chief of staff, I would kick him on the ankle and say, look, focus on the future damn storm. The mayor of San Juan tweeted earlier this morning, Mr. President, in the real world, people died on your watch. Your lack of respect is appalling. The president is now blaming Democrats for the death toll that he doesn't believe is accurate. Right, say that again. It's, it takes a lot at this point for someone to respond to Trump news with what? Say what? <laughs> like, you realize the last time we saw Orrin Hatch that confused, he was taking off a pair of invisible sunglasses. You realize that? <laughs> That's how bad the story is. So now, so now, America isn't just dealing with Hurricane Florence. It also has to deal with Shitstorm Donald. And while we at The Daily Show don't know how to cover hurricanes, we are experts at covering shitstorms. But tonight, we've got full team coverage of Shitstorm Donald. So let's start with Roy Wood Jr., who's over at the map. Roy Wood Jr., everybody. Yeah. Roy, 
what, what can we expect from this shitstorm? Uh, Trevor, if you were thinking of logging on the Twitter, you might want to think again. Two Trump tweets have already hit Washington, D.C., and these are Category 4. Category 4 tweets. This is bad. None of that low-level kafifi shit right here. <laughs> the entire East Coast is about to be flooded deep in the bullshit, man. I'm talking about real bullshit. And by Sunday, you can expect Kellyanne Conway coming out doing cleanup. <laughs> telling us how the president didn't mess up in Puerto Rico because there's no such thing as a Puerto Rico and you're a racist for thinking there is. The bullshit's coming, man. Kiss your family. Back to you, Trevor. Thank you so much, Roy. Uh, now let's... Now let's turn to Desi Lydic, who's tracking the mandatory evacuation of residents. Desi, how's it looking down there? Trevor, the National Guard is telling everyone to get out of cell phone range before any more tweets come. Or if you can't do that, then just download enough porn to get you through the weekend and then turn your Wi-Fi off. Now, not everyone is listening. I spoke to one gentleman this morning who said he's just going to hunker down and read the president's tweets. Trevor, that man is already dead. Thank you so much, Desi. So tragic. Let's cross live now to Ronnie Chang, who's actually in South Carolina in the middle of a hurricane. Hurricane Florence. tweets have created a huge backlash. Even Republicans have criticized the president, saying this could adversely affect them in the midterms. What I don't understand is, why did you send me into an actual hurricane to report on tweets? Oh, actually, I, I don't know, Ronnie. I just saw everyone else doing it on TV. I thought it looked pretty cool. Are you insane? I almost got crushed by a palm tree. The wind blew raccoon into my balls. Did you know raccoon could squeeze balls, Trevor? They have little hands, like people. Oh, wow, Ronnie, I really feel you, man. Look, we all have to make sacrifices to report the news. What, is that, are you drinking hot chocolate? Yeah, but with no marshmallows. Sacrifice, Ronnie. This is unbelievable. Hey, maybe next week I can review the Apple Watch from inside an active volcano. Ronnie Chang, everyone, we'll be right back. Stay strong, Ronnie. Stay strong. Tonight is a Michelin-starred chef with more than 30 restaurants around the world. He is the founder of World Central Kitchen and author of the new book, We Fed an Island, the true story of rebuilding Puerto Rico one meal at a time. Please welcome Jose Andres. Please, please, take a seat, please. No, please. no, you. you. No, no, you, please. No, you. no, no, you, please. No. It's your show. No, you, that's why you might No, guess. come on, man. You sit, no, no, you. I am an immigrant, you first. I'm also an immigrant, so you first. Okay. <laughs> we uh, both. You together, say, all right? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the show. What an amazing uh, book you've written. I, you, you know what's funny is I, I, I met Jose um, at an event and we started talking about food. I don't know, he looked at me and he was like, you like food. And we started talking about food and, and this is a fascinating man who told me a story about going to places that have been hit by natural disasters uh, or disasters of any kind and cooking food for the people who have been removed from their homes. How do you get started in that and how did your, study, your story begin with Puerto Rico specifically? Because you've had an interesting relationship with the nation. Well, uh, Puerto Rico, I went there first time over 25 years ago. And I really fall in love with that island. 
Uh, Puerto Ricans are amazing people. They love to dance salsa. They celebrate life. Um, I was lucky enough to have a restaurant in Dorado uh, for the last few years. But then Maria, the hurricane was coming and I was watching. My team and I, we already were in Houston. Right. So we helped there. We made a few hundred thousand meals. We were kind of all right. Hurricane hit on the first plane. We landed. And we began making a few meals, a few thousand meals a day. But we saw that the problem was getting, if anything, bigger and bigger. So we kept cooking. And we went from 1,000 meals to 150,000 meals a day, more than 3.7 million meals in total, from 20 volunteers to 25,000 volunteers, wow. from one kitchen to 26 kitchens. We didn't plan. The only thing we did was start cooking. Every phone call we got, any email, tweet, Facebook, we are hungry. We never said no. We kept feeding anybody that asked us for a meal. It's a, it's... It, it's, it's really a story where, the, you know, the beauty of what yourself and your team have done is, is, is only, you know, I guess, amplified by, by the tragedy of the island as well. Because you, you, you went through a really uh, tough period of learning how to cook for the people in each place. Because, I mean, you, you did this in Haiti as well. Yeah. And what's interesting is a lot of people might say, oh, why don't you send food packets there? You know, why are you going there to physically cook for the people? But you talk about that in the book. Could you share why you do that? I mean, uh, you imagine, right? I think we are who we are thanks to, in a way, the food we eat. And it's okay in emergencies, you just give the MREs, the meals ready to eat. Right. But that was created for our military during war. But uh, I saw in Haiti that kids, even hungry, they didn't want to eat those MREs. They prefer use a humble plate of beans and rice. That brings comfort. Even I was cooking in Haiti and I made those beans and we cooked for almost a camp, a refugee camp, a thousand people. And the woman came to me and with a translator. And they were saying, like, we don't like that. And I was like, what? I am Jose Andres. <laughs> well, they wanted to eat their beans in the way they liked them. They didn't want them whole. They want them puree to make the beans into a sauce. You know what we did? We followed their guidance. We made them into a sauce. All of a the sudden, they were happy. They were being fed in the way they like to eat. Right. Food, in essence, gives you hope that tomorrow maybe things will be better. That's why a plate of food is so important in those moments. It's so, it's so fascinating because you've been out there on the ground and it's, I mean, really incredible timing that you're here now today speaking about this when the president of the United States is tweeting out saying that the, you know, the, the, the disaster wasn't as much of a disaster as people claim it to be. You were actually on the ground. You saw what happened. How does it make you feel and, and how do you respond to what uh, people are seeing the president saying today? I mean, uh, we need to help our president. <laughs> we really do. Because we should be showing the empathy he doesn't have. I think he tries, but, but I think he's lost somewhere between his hair and somewhere else. <laughs> and, and only to see him used to say, was only 16 deaths, when it was very obvious for many people in the island that the death toll was much higher. And used to come all of a sudden with this stupid tweet saying, well, actually, the 3,000 people, the Democrats made it up. 
when you are dead, you are not Republican or you are Democrat. You are American people that your government forgot about you. And all those people were on the watch of President Donald Trump. So come on, man, show some empathy. You show some support because those people die, die under his watch. And if he did more, probably we will be talking about a much smaller number. Right. Fortunately, didn't happen. When you look at the story of Puerto Rico as someone who's been on the ground, uh, what are some of the most inspiring stories you've encountered? Are there, are there moments where you've thought to yourself, you know, this is, this is how Puerto Rico will get through it. This is, this is what makes Puerto Rico so special. Uh, you know, I saw so many children, especially girls, 10 years old, like Lola. Their father and mother, they work in a food truck and they will go around the island. We had a total of 10 food trucks. She will stay in the headquarters in a kitchen that we were doing 75,000 meals a day. She was 10 years old but she was in charge of the entire line of making sandwiches, ham, cheese, mayo. And you had to sit there at 10 year old in charge of 100 people in a line telling them, come on people, quicker, more ham, <laughs> more cheese, more mayo. <laughs> President Trump, if a 10 year old can lead a line of 100 people making sandwiches, shouldn't you be leading better? Simple. So simple, even a 10 year old could do it. We Fed an Island is available now. An amazing story, an amazing man. Jose Andres, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.